You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Good morning, City Church Downtown. Will you guys please stand with us as we worship?
hadn't thought about. So uh, check it out. We, we've been in this series uh, on spiritual warfare, some of you know. And last week was really amazing um, because we talked about taking back the keys of control, right? Because some of us, like, if you hand the keys of your car over to a demon, they're going to wreck your life, right? And so uh, that's what happens with our lives is that we were taking back the keys. You guys were kneeling at the front last week at the end of the service, praying, uh, taking back the keys of the enemy's control, um, putting those in the hands of God. And I was all excited about keys because, you know, we gave away the little keys last week. Remember that? Some of you got those keys. You put it on necklace, keychain, all that kind of stuff because it represents you took back, that back from the enemy. And um, then right after church last Sunday, uh, I went up to Dallas and I'm meeting with these other church leaders, you know, at this place called Leadership Network. And we were talking about how to serve people best and all of that. And then the guy who was facilitating that conversation with all that group of pastors gave me a gift. Okay, gave, gave each of us pastors a gift. You know what he gave me? Yes. A key. There it is right there. Uh, the key. That's a big old key, man. That must be an expensive key. But anyways, I think this kind of represents how uh, God is doing a great work in our church. And it was just a reminder to me that God is taking back control of keys in our lives so that we can take the key to our city, not to like control or anything like that, but really more so that we can be prepared to serve and love others here in our city. And so it's a cool work that God is doing in the midst of us. And one of the things that I want to kind of acknowledge here is that as I talk about, you know, demons in this series, I know that's odd to some people, and we're all from very different spiritual backgrounds, aren't we? So some of you have come here, um, and you grew up in a church background where you were warned about the the dangers of demons and evil and that. Others of you uh, grew up in environments where you weren't exposed to any kind of spiritual teaching like that, right? And so, uh, you know, this is all kind of odd and strange to you. And I understand if it's kind of hard to buy into. And if you never buy into all this, I want you to know we're still friends, right? And you can still come here and seek God at your own pace. But that others grew up in environments where you just grabbed onto any kind of spirituality that was before you, just whatever felt good, you just grasped onto it and not realizing from the Bible that there can be dangers associated with just any kind of spirituality that we latch onto. But our hope in this series is that as you learn from the scriptures, that you will, if you don't already have a relationship with Christ, you'll have that. But those of you that do um, will step up to your authority and take back the keys of control from demon spirits and evil that's in the world. And so, you know, I struggle with this topic, right? I mean, part of the reason I struggle with it is because you know, uh, there are a lot of wackos out there that talk about this kind of thing. And uh, have you ever met those people that think that everything is a demon, right? Someone's sick. It's got to be a demon, right? Okay. Uh, someone has a headache. It's the headache demon, right? Or uh, someone sneezes. Achoo! A demon just came out of that person right there. See, so everything's a demon. It's kind of like Bobby Boucher's mom from that movie, The Water Boy. Um, you know, so uh, the devil, right? And so the jaded woman who's been broken up with, uh, men are of the devil. The jaded man who's had his heart broken, women are of the devil, okay? Uh, the Republicans say the Democrats are, are of the devil. The, the Democrats say the Republicans are of the devil. I'm a Spurs fan in the playoffs right now. It's like the Golden State Warriors clearly of the devil, okay? <laughs> this uh, Stephen Curry, where does he get these powers to shoot those jump shots and make those three points? Clearly Satan, okay? We know it's got to be true. <laughs> but anyways, we're in this very spiritually charged world. There are all kinds of different 
worldviews and spiritual views. So if you watch TV, I really like that show, Amy from The Big Bang Theory, and she's a modern Orthodox Jew. And then if you look at uh, Russell Brand, some of you are familiar with him, his God is what he calls the infinite creative force, and his spirituality is this uh, kundalini yoga, so it's not just the stretching, but he adds a spiritual component onto it. And then I really like Rain Wilson, who is uh, a great character on The Office, Dwight Schrute, and he is of the Baha'i faith, and he has a spiritual blog called Soul Pancake. And I thought that was kind of a funny name, you know, Soul Pancake. And so anyways, there's all kinds of different spiritualities out there. And you watch TV and you can see in the shows, there are these spiritual themes as well. Like, for example, the new show, You, Me, and the Apocalypse. And so the new show with Rob Lowe. And then there's also the new show, Lucifer, tries to give us this sense of uh, sympathy for the devil. And so one of the things I want you to understand is that everything out there that's spiritual is not necessarily um, good. And some of us feel like, we see things that others just don't always see as we look beneath the surface of reality. It's kind of like snorkeling. I remember this one snorkeling trip I went on. Um, my friend Richard and I were snorkeling along, and we wanted to rest from swimming along this, this river. And we, we swam over to this boulder, and Richard got there before me, and he was standing in the water about up to his shoulders here. And I was still snorkeling along. Um, and I could see under the water, and I noticed the snake slithers up by Richard's feet, okay? And he, it, it, it rests its head right by Richard's foot, and I'm seeing this underwater. Have you ever had tried to warn someone or talk to someone about anything significant through a snorkel? I'm like, <laughs> and so... Uh, it didn't, uh, Richard could not understand what I'm saying. I feel like I'm doing that in this series. I'm doing my best to warn you from what I see beneath the surface. Uh, luckily that day, the snake evidently heard my voice and freaked out and swam away, but uh, Richard was fine and he didn't get eaten by a snake that day. But one of the things I want to show you today is that uh, the snakes, the spiritual snakes, the demons, have an evil partner. And that partner is every bit as dangerous, deadly, and deceptive. And here's the thing, in my journey, and you know I'm reaching underneath here, it's not gonna be a rabbit under here, all right? So um, they have this partner, and in my life, the demon's partner looks a whole lot like me, okay? And the head, the spiritual head, uh, has these lies, and he's the master of spin. So if you ever heard a politician explain his or her way out of a situation, you're like, how did they do that? How did they turn something around like that? Um, it was obvious they were wrong, but they spun it, right? And the head is the master of spin, and the head always gives me, like feeds me, these really great cut downs that I can use on other people, um, and I, I find myself just speaking those things out when he feeds them to me, and he's like, hey, that would be really funny to say that, um, and then I say it and I hurt someone. Or sometimes the head will see people as objects, right? And so guys, it's like this when you're at the beach with your family, you know, and you're just sitting there at the beach in your shades looking all cool and having a good time. And then some really hot chicken in a bikini walks by and she's walking right in front of you. And you're like, I know I shouldn't keep looking. And the head's like, keeps looking. Dude, just turn around. It's all good, man. You got your sunglasses on. Your lady will never see you looking, okay? Um, but I have to avoid the head in that. So what the head also does, it keeps score. Any little thing that someone does that potentially hurt my feelings, the head is all, dude, you need to remember that. And the head feeds me bitterness and 
anger and unforgiveness from other people. And here's what I want you to understand. You have one of these heads too. And the Bible describes it as the flesh or the sinful nature. And here's what's happening is that your head is in partnership with the demons and the demons love your head and your head loves the demons and they want to use your head, your old nature, to shape your thinking the way you view reality. Now, let me show you this in Romans chapter seven. Look at verse 21. Paul says there, so I find this law at work. When I wanna do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. And so the head would love nothing more than to open the doorway of your life to the snakes, the spiritual snakes, the demons. And that's part of what he or she is trying to do. And that's exactly what happened with a man in the book of Mark, uh, chapter five. Jesus dealt with a man called the Gerasene Gadarene Demoniac, a man from the 10 towns of the Decapolis. And we see in Mark 5, 5, night and day among the tombs. And in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And if you read the rest of that text, you would see that this guy who cut himself, he was naked, he had no clothes on, he was bloody, he was running around like a crazed maniac, he had superhuman strength. Um, They tried to chain him down so he wouldn't run around and freak people out and damage people, but he would rip apart the chains and continue to terrorize anyone who came nearby until a day when Jesus came by. So that superhuman strength is something I was thinking about as I read that text. I reflected back on an experience I had some years ago when I was ministering to a young woman who was literally manifesting demons, speaking in other voices. It was so strange, and I was there being helped by um, another lady from our church, and then there was another guy there who was witnessing all this. He was a big guy. He was a former college football player. He played at the University of Minnesota under Lou Holtz when he was there. Um, this friend of mine also was a former bouncer at bars, and so he's a big guy. And when those demons were manifesting through that young girl, uh, young lady, uh, the demons caused her to kick him. And then uh, we were able to get those things under control. And after that experience, he comes to me and says, Doug, you know, when that girl kicked me under the influence of those demons... I have been a bouncer in bars and I played major college football and never in my life have I been kicked that hard. The stuff is real, man. In fact, that guy was an alcoholic, couldn't control it. And after he saw that for, with his own eyes, he hadn't drank to this day. I was just texting him with him. He lives up in Minnesota. Um, I was just texting with him yesterday as I recalled that story. Superhuman strength. But how did this guy in Mark 5 come to this place where he was filled. The Bible says he was filled with a legion of demons. Well, here's what I think happened. is that over many, many years, this guy listened to the lies of the head and embraced them. And that opened the doorway of his life to not just one, two, or three, but the Bible says a legion of demons filled this man and literally controlled and distorted uh, 
destroyed and distorted his life until Jesus came and set him free. And then he was sitting there clothed and in his right mind. But because the head is in this partnership with the demons, we have to ruthlessly kill it. We can't just headbutt it. We can't mess around with it. We have to kill it. Let me show you this in Romans 6.11. Paul says, count yourselves, what's that word? Dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And so when you are being tempted by uh, the lies of the head, um, you must consider yourself and the head dead. What does a dead person do when they're tempted by evil? The dead guy just pretty much lays there, right, and doesn't do anything, and we have to consider the head dead. Now, I want to show you a couple of truths about the head or the sinful nature of us all. Um, One is that when Jesus died on the cross, the head was defeated, ultimately. So look at Romans 6, 6. Paul says, we know that our old sinful selves, the head, were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. So what happened was, is a couple of thousand years ago, when Jesus died on the cross, uh, a death blow was delivered to the head. But look at this other truth about the head. The head is ultimately defeated, but will continue to try and influence you today. Now, that seems strange. You you may be like me, and you're like, well, wait a minute. If the head was uh, killed a couple of thousand years ago when Jesus died on the cross, then how come I keep having these temptations and dealing with this? Well, it's kind of like this. Um, Some years ago, I went feral hog hunting with some some friends. Now, I'm honestly not much of a hunter. I don't want to, like, try and sell myself as that. But I went with these friends, and they're good hunters, and I kind of tagged along with them. And what was interesting to me about that experience, by the way, if you've seen these feral hogs, they're gnarly beasts, right? They have these big old teeth. And if they get a hold of your leg or something, I mean, they'll straight up put the hurt on you. I mean, they could take a hand off or something like this. These are gnarly creatures, okay? Uh, But when these friends would shoot the hog, the death blow was delivered by way of a bullet. What was interesting is that the hog doesn't always just fall over dead. Sometimes the hog will run like another 100 yards and the hunter has to go and track them. He doesn't just fall over. He runs another 100 yards before he falls over. And so these friends of mine who are real hunters, you know, they would like track them. And then when they approach that hog, even if it's laying down, they don't assume that it's completely dead yet. And so they'll poke it with their rifle. And sometimes they'll like shoot it in the head a couple of times just to doubly make sure that that thing is dead. Because they know if they reach down there and try and grab that thing and pull it to the truck when it's still a little bit alive, it could reach up and uh, take off a hand or something like that, right? When is the hog the most dangerous? He's the most dangerous after the death blow has been delivered before he ultimately dies, see? And that's the same thing that's true of our heads today. The death blow was delivered when Jesus died on the cross, but that thing's still running and will ultimately keel over whenever we are taken to heaven with Christ, given our new bodies in the kingdom of God. But in the meantime, we can't jack around with it. We need to be wary of the head and its temptations. And so here's uh, an idea that I wanna show you, a phrase that I think will be helpful for you as you seek to take out the head of temptation and lies in your heart and your life. It's simply this phrase, I don't receive that. You ready? You know I'm going to make you say it out loud, right? I do that all the time, okay? So let's try that. When I point to you, I want you to say, I don't receive that. You ready? Here we go. I don't receive that. 
That was very good. And so here's, uh, let's practice a couple of times. So when the head comes to you, he gives you uh, that, that little cut down to say that's going to hurt someone else. What are you going to say to him? Good. When the head comes to you and tries to demean you, degrade you, make you feel bad about who you are, what are you going to say to him? I don't, I don't receive that. I don't receive that uh, at all. But here's what's going on. It's that a lot of people, even Christian people who know better, constantly feed the head, like give the head, you know, hog food or whatever. It's like nursing that hog back to life after he'd been hit by a bullet. And how do we do that? By what we consume. We become what we consume. Have you ever seen that uh, documentary some years ago by Morgan Spurlock, Super Size Me? And if you saw that documentary, you remember that Morgan Spurlock, for 30 days, he ate McDonald's food. And every time he went to the counter and they said, do you want to supersize it? He said, yes, I want to supersize it. And what happened over that period of time, um, his health really deteriorated. He had liver problems. He had fatigue, mood swings. Um, he was asked to stop by all three of his doctors. And in that 30 days, he gained 24 pounds. His cholesterol shot up 65 points. I mean... We become what we consume. In fact, that documentary made such a huge impact that the fast food chains had to start altering their menus because so many people were up in arms about Supersize Me, uh, the documentary. And I thought it was a great documentary. But when I talk to like teenagers or whatever, and some kid comes to me and it says, man, I love to watch those really violent slasher movies and listen to really dark music but I don't understand for the life of me why I'm depressed all the time. And I have these angry feelings, right? I mean, uh, kids all depressed. They've been laying around and listening to Depeche Mode all day. You know, it's uh, uh, depresses him. But uh, what's on your Netflix queue, you gotta be careful about it because what you consume, you can become whatever you're watching on Hulu. You know, sometimes you can become all that you consume. The websites that you log on to can affect you and the head wants to spin it that man it's not a big deal and it's all good but you know you know intuitively you are what you eat what you consume look at Philippians 3:18 and Paul speaks of this further he says for as I've often told you before and now say again even with tears many live as enemies of the cross of Christ their destiny is destruction their God is their stomach or their desires and their glory is in their shame. And why is this so? Well, it's because of the last sentence there. Their mind is on earthly things. And so let's go back to the big idea for just a minute. I don't receive that. When I point to you, I want you to speak that big idea again. When the head tells you you've got to eat too much, consume too much, continually uh, supersize it. What are you going to say? I don't receive that. For some of you, when the head tells you to starve yourself in some kind of eating disorder, to just eat a bunch and then go throw it up, what are you going to say? I don't, I don't receive that. that. When the head wants you ineffective, dead, depressed, and devoured, what are you going to say? I don't receive that. that. Some of you have alcoholism in your family background, and the head says, just finish off that six pack that leads to a 12 pack. What are you going to say? I don't, don't receive that. that. I'm going to stay within my limits. When it says spend more 
on stuff you can't afford and rack up a bunch of debt on your credit card to oppress a bunch of people that don't give a rat about you, what are you going to say? Don't Don't receive that. See, it says just a few minutes on that website with that woman who should get the rest of her outfit out of layaway, right? And you spend a minute on that website and it leads to hours and hours on multiple porn websites. And when it started, you could have said to the head, Then sometimes the head will say, just spend a little bit of time, just a minute, just on a short little chat with your ex-boyfriend, girlfriend, who is not your spouse. And you know what that can lead to. But as it starts, you just tell the head when that chat starts, don't receive that. So the head needs more and more and more and more to get the same buzz. But we can stop it in its tracks by the truth of I don't receive that. Now, spiritual truth comes to us Um, like a diamond, truth is. And diamonds have different facets if you look at it from a different angle. And one of the facets of truth is brutal honesty. And you will not be free of the head's lies if you're not willing to look at the brutal honesty of your life situation. And it's hard to look at truth in that way, isn't it? That's the hard part of truth. I don't like seen the hard things about myself. And I've been to so many churches and uh, Christian ministries that are talking about stuff that's gloss or dishonest or not real. But if you want to be free from the head's lies, you have to face the crap in your life. You have to wade through and shovel some of it out of there and deal with it and take an honest look in the mirror. And you won't always like it. Because God is not concerned with political correctness. God doesn't answer to anyone. And God um, sometimes loves us enough that he's willing to show us things in our lives and be brutally honest. But if you can't take it, you can't be free. But another facet of truth is outside help. In recovery, we say we must admit that we're powerless on our own. This thing is powerful and strong and we need others to help us. But what the head always wants to tell you is, dude, you can do it by yourself. Come on, man, just pull, your, uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can do it on your own. Just be a lone ranger. It's all good. You know enough stuff about the Bible to figure this thing out on your own. And you can just throw a few verses at it and uh, read a few blogs and you will figure it out. But God created you and I to be tribal, to bear one another's burdens, to confess our sins, even the embarrassing ones to each other so that we can uh, shed light uh, of truth on it and be healed and be set free. So outside help. But that's why we're, we're offering the Breaking Free class starting May the 12th. It's gonna go for six weeks right next door in the coffee shop. It'll be uh, starting that night at seven o'clock and you can jump in on that at any point in the six weeks. But the third facet of truth I wanna show you is your position in Christ. This is the good part, right? There are hard parts. There are things that we don't wanna see about ourselves, but your position in Christ, once you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, Ephesians, the whole book and much of the New Testament tells us our new identity. And the way it works is that we see our identity, our place with Christ, and we live up to who we believe we are. We don't live down to the standards of the head, but we live up to the new person in Christ that uh, Jesus has made us to be. And rather than just trying to feed the head and nurse it back to hell so it can bite us and destroy our lives and open us up to the demons, how about 
we feed our spirits, you know? We feed our spirits through uh, what some of us call the 13-minute plan. This is helpful to get started if you're just starting uh, walking with God. You read the Bible for five minutes. You pray for five minutes about the things that are going on in your life, and then you spend three minutes writing down in a journal the things that God's showing to you. And what some of you are going to find is that the 13-minute plan turns into the two-hour plan because your soul starts feasting on the good things of God. And you find out that you you just don't want to settle anymore for the molehills of pleasure that come from the head when you can have the Mount Everest kind of pleasure for your spirit that comes from the truth that's in the Word of God and the teachings of God that fills your soul. And so there are a couple of different areas where we're seeing the head spin things and destroy lives of people in our church. And one of those is what we're going to call the money devourer. And here's how the money devourer is working in our church. It's causing people to rack up a bunch of credit card debt and making you a slave to credit card companies, some of you. And another way that the money devourer works is uh, through disobedience to God's teachings regarding financial stewardship. And I'm not quite as straightforward about it as Malachi is, but let me show you his words in chapter 3, verse 9. He says, you're cursed with a curse. He's pretty straightforward, huh? By the way, some of you are not going to be able to receive this today because this is a hard truth. He says, bring... Uh, or, or let me rewind. He says, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there be, may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the what? Devourer for you. And what happens is, is that some people... They'll say, well, I'm going to blow off God's teachings on financial stewardship and generosity, and the devourer comes and destroys their bank accounts and robs them of what God intends to bless you. God is not a taker. He's a giver. What does it say in this text? He says, test me on this. Not, don't test Pastor Doug. Hey, if you don't believe in this and don't trust us on this, go to another church and try it out. The idea here is not for the church to like get people's money. The idea here is for you to grow spiritually and experience the reality of God in your bank accounts and in your life. And we're seeing all across our church people who are obeying God in this and they are seeing God provide for their needs through unexpected checks they're getting in the mail and refunds and rebates and all kinds of things that God is doing to show us that he's real. And look, I totally want you to understand, go somewhere else and try it. I don't care. I just want you to experience God uh, by being faithful um, in this principle of stewardship. And so the head right now is already going to work, right? Spinning it, spinning it. Yeah, it's just another, another one of those pastors trying to get everybody's money and all this kind of thing. Look, you can choose to believe that or not, or maybe you can consider that maybe, just maybe, there are churches and leaders who actually care about people and want to see you grow spiritually. And there are also churches that care about utilizing resources to actually serve people on the stuff that they're really, really going through. 
And those of you that are investing here are seeing hundreds of lives being changed by the power of the gospel of Christ. And I thank you for that. But another devourer that's very active in our church around here is uh, the marriage devourer. Marriages are being jacked up right here within our church. And this is going to be another hard truth. And some of you may not have the capacity to receive it. But I'm just the messenger. And so here's Malachi 2.14. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young. But you've been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Look, I know what the head does. The head will spin it. It's not a big deal, man. I mean, this other person, this other person has got so much in common with you, dude. I mean, your spouse, your wife, your husband, uh, you guys don't have anything in common anymore. You're just two different people. You've just gone different directions. It's all good. Just blow it off. But God says, I saw the vows you made before me and your family members when you stood up in that church before people and were married. Do not listen to the head. The head's going to tell you that other person that you're cheating with is your soulmate, and that is a lie. And every chemical in your body is raging because the head knows how to spin it in such a way to get you into a trap. And part of the reason that this particular lie is a big deal to me is because you know my story, and you know that many years ago, my wife and I were almost done. We had been separated and I had to go get some counseling, get my head straight. And I went to these counselors like in another state. I was totally out of the ministry. I was questioning everything. There was a part of me that wanted to just blow God off and go ahead and, uh, you know, go ahead with my plans for whatever I wanted to do with my life. Well, I went up there to this counseling. These two dudes were set me down And they sensed that I felt all defeated in my life because I had screwed up my life so bad by my sin. And they said, we want you to speak this declaration, Doug. And we want you to say, I am not defeated. And so with my head, I'm thinking I'm not defeated. But when I tried to say it, my mouth said, I am defeated. And they said, wait a minute, Doug, I don't think you understand what we're trying to get you to do here. We want you to say, I am not defeated. And I'm thinking that with my head, like I'm like telling my brain, is telling my mouth to say, I am not defeated. And my mouth again said, I am defeated. And those two guys opened up a can, a spiritual warfare prayer on me. And in the name of Jesus, they prayed over me. Have you ever heard someone name drop? (laughs) That is like the ultimate name drop, Jesus. And they prayed over me for what seemed like several minutes. And at the end of their prayer, they said, let's try this again. And I'm thinking with my head, I'm not defeated. My mouth was able to say, I am not defeated. Could it be that I had listened to the head? I know the Bible. I've taught this stuff. Remember those words. Cursed is he who thinks he stands lest he fall. I had to submit myself to this. 
and now all these years. I, I've told this story before and God is going to make me tell it to the day I die because some of you need it. You need to know that even pastors screw up sometimes and need to get free. And you know, when I got home from that trip, my wife told me, Jeannie said, Doug, you just seem like you have more clarity because before you didn't seem like yourself. I mean, you seemed confused all the time, like there was a fog over you and the fog was gone and I had clarity in my life. And the interesting thing is God actually restored my marriage. Uh, you know, I, I keep threatening Jeannie. I'm going to stick with her for another many, many years as she keeps this up, right? And so we've been still together and God actually somehow made it to where I got back into the ministry again here we're here and thank God for his good work in my life but look yeah that's that's good good but look we need to do some name dropping for just a minute for some of you and so we're going to sing about this name this powerful name Jesus so if you would go ahead and stand up with me And our band is really good at helping us to do this. But don't check out. You know, sometimes there's a song at the end and you're just like, okay, this is a good time to like bail, right? Okay, I want you to hang for us because I'm going to come back out and talk to you for just a minute. We're going to pray together after we sing about this awesome name, Jesus. Yeah, so I think this would probably be a good time to pray. So let's bow our heads for just a minute and... As we pray, I'm going to make some declarations. And some of them are going to be false. And when I say something false, I want you to say, I don't receive that. But when I say something true about you, I want you to say by faith, I receive that. Are you ready? Here we go. You'll never be able to have a real relationship with God. I don't receive that. I've chosen to believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin, so I have a relationship with God. I receive that. I'm defeated. I don't receive that. I'm an overwhelming conqueror in Christ. I receive that. I'm a child of evil. I don't receive that. I'm God's child. I receive that. God doesn't like me. I don't receive that. Bible says in John 15, I'm Christ's friend. I receive that. I'm a worthless sinner. <laughs> I don't receive that. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, I'm a saint. I receive that. My marriage is never going to make it because we're just too different. I don't receive that. We're two different people come together to make one whole. I receive that. Because of your past, some of you are being told, you're a pervert. I don't receive that. The Bible teaches me that I'm pure. I receive that. Some of you are hearing, my life is going to make no impact on this world. I don't receive that. The truth is, is that God's going to do exceeding abundantly above all that I could ask or think in my life. I receive that. Father, thank you for all the good things that you're speaking into us through your word. And we know that you're a good God that doesn't want to just push us down, but you want to reach down and help us up. And we're so grateful for your kindness and grace to such as us. 
And we pray all these things and we receive all the good blessings you want to give. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, everyone said, Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.